This is Sunday Rewind. Take it back now, y'all. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Stevens and Mike Melby. Welcome in. You are looking live 11th and 0. Mike Melby, Tom Stevens, and Husker Rewind. Every Sunday, 5 to 7. Big show again today. BC, Husker 24-7. Brian Christofferson will be dropping by for a full 25 minutes of great Husker football conversation. Then in the 6 o'clock hour, about 6.15, Tanya Taki, one of the great middle blockers in Nebraska volleyball history, uh, getting you ready for Nebraska, Minnesota, 12th-ranked Minnesota, and number two, Nebraska. Nebraska coming off that big win over Ohio State on Friday night. A straight set sweep uh, in front of 8,700 at the Devaney Center. A new attendance record. It seems like every, they, every time they step on anywhere, every time they come into a building, it's a new attendance record uh, for Nebraska volleyball, and they're playing great volleyball uh, right now. But first... Uh, the opening kickoff, we normally get to it. We we normally call it the starting game, but we've changed that because we just didn't like the sound of it after a year of the, doing this show. It was getting yeah. old. Yeah, and it makes sense. It's football season. Uh, the opening kickoff, and I, Austin has promised that he's going to make one, an open Yeah, I think, I think we've got a good idea. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's something it's, like, uh, yes, indeed, do. It's time for college football, and here's the opening kickoff with like Mike it. Melby. I like it. Uh, do you want to get to the opening kickoff? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, right. Nebraska picked up its 25th commit for the 2024 class. On a Wednesday of this week, when two-sport athlete J.D. Crisp announced his commitment to Matt Rule's staff, he's also going to try to play baseball at Nebraska as well. He may wind up a little bit like Tommy Hill and be a two-way player uh, on the football field as he is a wide receiver in safety right now. You never know. may see a, another uh, both-sides-of-the-ball guy and J.D. Crisp. Hey, it's working out for Colorado, and at least until the injury of Travis uh, Hunter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Tommy Hill, I mean, he didn't have, did not have any catches yesterday, but a couple of pass breakups and, and, and played a quite a few. Uh, but he recalls it. Do you, you get credit when you fumble for your own fumble recovery? Uh, like you, in fantasy, do you if you fumble and then recover your own fumble, do you get the points? I think you should because I got guys on my team that fumble all the time. Yeah. So. Well, there you go. All righty. Upcoming season schedules for Nebraska baseball, Nebraska basketball, and Nebraska women's basketball were all announced earlier this week. Nebraska hoops, a uh, decent schedule, not front or back loaded as it has been, uh, I don't know, the last 10 years uh, with the toughest teams in the Big Ten. I, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, like the top three teams, they were three of the top five were Nebraska's first three opponents and they were two of the three were on the road, but uh, it looks like uh, a relatively level, even playing field for as far as the schedule goes, five Saturday home games uh, in conference for uh, Husker hoops, baseball toughened up its midweek schedule and has the, the expected two uh, teams that are going to be the best in the big 10 this year. Uh, they're going to play them at home. And then in women's basketball, They've got a relatively balanced schedule as well to see what Amy Williams could do in her eighth season. As Tom mentioned a little bit ago, Nebraska volleyball won its 10th straight game to start the 2023 season on Friday night with a sweep of number 21 Ohio State at Devaney. 25-14, 16-21. Merritt Beeson led the way with 14 kills, hit 458. She also had nine digs. Harper Murray, 11 kills and eight digs. They play at 630 tonight against 12th-ranked Minnesota, who had to go... uh, who, do, who were they playing? Iowa, I think it was earlier this week. Yeah. Five, uh, but pulled it out. <clears throat> Five-star offensive tackle Brandon Baker is announcing his commitment today. I have not 
heard. Is he going to do it on the show? He's going to wait. I don't know. We tell the end of the show and then make his announcement on the show. Nebraska is a finalist along with Oregon, Ohio State, and where he more than likely is going to commit to Texas. Uh, Not many upsets in top 25 college football yesterday. Uh, There were some scores that were a bit surprising and some coaches who seem to be taking a page out of Dion's handbook. We'll cover the Ohio State win over Notre Dame uh, on the last play of the game in the Big Ten Blitz. But man, Ryan Day has lost his mind. Uh, In the post-game interview, he literally wants to fight Lou Holtz. An 86-year-old dude who, who insinuated that the reason they lost the only five games they've lost in the last five years are because the other team was more physical than they were in that game. Do you think it's just Ryan Day speaking to his team? It feels like the more and more coaches like Ryan Day or Deion Sanders or whoever, and I've seen Matt Rule do it as well, they use the media to speak to their players. But and this how was dare after you... the game. I know. And, he, and, he, and he's not – and he's calling out I, – I don't like Lou Holtz. I don't, it, it, my, my, what do you mean you don't like the Lou Holtz? I, I cannot stand Lou Holtz. I, I do not think he's a genuine group. human being. And if you want to know why, ask Jason Peter. Because <laughs> he'll tell you the story that, about Damien yeah, and Damian, what happened, yep, and, that, and I true. lost all respect for Lou Holtz with that story. Yep. Um, regardless, so Ryan Day, yeah, literally wants to fist fight Lou Holtz because Lou Holtz said that uh, there were there were other teams in games that they lost that were more physical yeah. than they were. Uh, and then and another great game. It was a great game. It was last play of the game, touchdown. Ohio State wins. Top ten, you know, matchup. Fantastic game. All we're talking about is Ryan Day being an idiot. Oh, hey, you know what? Jake Dickert at Washington State says, ah, hold my beer. I could be a jerk too. So he goes out and is like all over Lee Corso and ESPN because they called it the no one's watching bowl between Washington State and Oregon State. And he, he and then he goes on to say that ESPN has basically done everything in their power over the course of the last few years to make sure that the Pac-12 is literally what it is today, which is a two-team league. Yeah, I think a lot of coaches are using the media to try to get a little more exposure. I mean, what his line a couple of weeks ago when they beat Wisconsin was, uh, maybe we can get into a league now. Maybe we can, the yeah. ACC will let us into a league. We belong in the league and not just the uh, the Pac-2. Yeah. Um, I get it. Coaches are – they. I think some of them are seeing what Dion is doing and how he's so gifted at using the media to draw attention. But he's always been that way. You don't well, just – He's able to do it because he's Dion. He's yeah. one of the best players of all time. And now, you know, he's getting all this publicity. And I think coaches are seeing that and thinking that's the road to well, victory. And, you know, speaking of Dion in Colorado, I would be remiss if I did not mention that 10th ranked Oregon crushed number 19 Colorado 42 to 6 out in Eugene yesterday. And to me, the definition of losing respect and classlessness is what Colorado did. They make up a story about Nebraska disrespecting their logo when Shadir Sanders knew for a fact that the only reason Nebraska players were at midfield is because Coach Rule was out there like he does every single game, praying for the safety of players on both teams in that game. That is what they do. And so then when Deion's asked about it later the next week, Deion's response is, yeah, they were doing some prayer thing. Let's just move on. Okay, so Shadur is all about it. Oh, it's personal. They're disrespecting that buffalo that means the world. You've been there eight months. Really, you're, they're disrespecting something that is right. near and dear to your heart because you've been there for eight months. Oh, and then yesterday, what do the Colorado players do? They go out at midfield. They're spitting on the logo. They're kicking the turf on the logo. They're walking all over it. They're stomping all over it. But that's okay because it's Dion's boys, right? Yeah, you know what? 
Colorado got exactly what they deserve, and I would love it if every single game wound up that way for the rest of the time that he's in Boulder and anywhere else it, he coaches. It does feel like it, no matter who they're playing, whether it's TCU or Nebraska or Oregon, he's he's ready to pick a fight. Well, he's ready kids. to fight people in the postgame. Uh, well, you know what? I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, I, Dion's not. Dion <laughs> Dion's a little more old school than I am, but he can back it up also. Uh, unlike myself. So that's one of the reasons I don't fight is I, I can't win a fight. I haven't found somebody small enough that I can beat. But someday I will, Mike. Yep. I'll be, there to, I'll be there to film it. Is that it? We'll is put that it into yeah, the that's, opening that's, kickoff. That's the opening kickoff. Yeah, uh, let's you, start. you beat somebody up, we're, we're going to put that on the, uh, the ticket YouTube channel. <laughs> I just haven't found anybody small enough uh, that I could take. Uh, but it could happen at some point in my life. I've always said that my, my goal is to get yep. in a bar fight, get in a bar uh, fight. someday. But... Uh, uh, it's probably not going to happen. Nebraska does win uh, Saturday night. It was ugly. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think I predicted 35 to 14. It was close to that. I don't know. What was your prediction on the game um, with Latte? Uh, My cousin like, said 42 I, to 14. And it really probably should have been that. They had two touchdowns called back. Yeah. My, mine was like 17-6. I didn't think we'd score a whole lot of points. I didn't think we'd give up a lot, but... Um, I mean, you, you can say that Nebraska is not impressive and they have some work to do and that's an understatement, but they did rush for 315 yards in this game. And it probably would have been well over 400 yards had those runs not been, not been called back in that game. Yeah. And the, the two holding calls, I, I mean, kind of, I get, I mean, it's one of those, yeah, you can call holding on every play. But on the one that they called Marcus Washington, the the holding was was the same as you see every offensive lineman doing with the way that he had his hands. But the defend the defender's um, hand had Marcus's face mask literally on the top of his head. Right. How was that un- not a hands to the face call? But regardless, um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, the, it, and the Alex Bullock call uh, on holding seemed. Yeah. To, I mean, Nebraska had five holding calls, and that's that's five too many. Uh, but you rarely see two wide receiver calls yeah. in one game. And neither of them really, I don't think, affected the touchdown. It looked like Nebraska probably would have scored either way. Who knows? Uh, maybe not on the Grant run. Maybe not. The Anthony Grant probably, that run was affected by the holding. But the other one, um, I thought that Heinrich Harburg would have scored easily, yeah. Yeah. regardless of of the holding. But uh, looking at the stats, Nebraska has 21st downs, uh, Louisiana Tech 17, third down efficiency, 3 of 12 for Louisiana Tech, Nebraska just 3 of 11. Uh, total yards, Nebraska gets uh, 419, Louisiana Tech 338. They did uh, hurt Nebraska through the air with 292 yards, and Nebraska only has 107. Uh, but Nebraska was... Uh, Obviously trying to run the football, and they were effective running the football in this game. 312 yards to just 46 for Louisiana Tech. And Nebraska continues to be one of, no, they're the best rushing defense in the entire country. Let me ask you this. Were you more impressed by Nebraska's rushing game, or were you more unimpressed with Nebraska's passing game? I thought... I was more impressed probably with the rushing game, um, especially when they figured it out in the third quarter where they just, let's let's put a fullback on the field. These guys aren't very big. What are we, why are we trying to monkey around with throwing the football? Let's just run it down the field. And they did. 
Uh, I wish they would have stayed with that philosophy the entire second half with a fullback uh, and an eyeback. Anthony Grant, he's getting a lot of carries, 22 carries in the game, 135 yards, played really well. I don't know. We saw what happened last year. He had 900 yards for the season, but he wore down late in the season. I worry about that uh, if they don't get him a little more rest going forward. It was fine for this game. But you're, you're facing some brutal teams defensively, including well, starting next week with the Michigan. Yeah. I don't know that you can feed him the rock 35 times a game. Next week against Michigan, Emmett Johnson's going to have to be utilized. And, and Quentin just Ives do, as do, well, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But you're, you're going to need Emmett Johnson to take 10 carries next week, I think. He had two for six. Yeah. Um, I he, think, he runs hard, I'll tell you that. Do you think that it's possible they put uh, Jeff Sims on the field with Heinrich Harburg? I, and do a little bit of uh, what we saw a couple of years ago with McCaffrey, with Luke McCaffrey. Have him on the field. Sometimes he's a wide receiver. Sometimes he's a running quarterback. I, I think once he's healthy, but I'm the way he was kind of still gimping around, I really question whether or not he took 50% of the snaps in practice this week because he did not look healthy even trotting onto the field when Harburg's helmet no. came off. And then, then he had one play in the game. Harburg loses his helmet, so he has to go to the sidelines. Sims, I don't know if Sims went the wrong way or the running back went the wrong way, but it was a total nightmare of yeah. a play. So Jeff Sims plays one play and goes to the sidelines. Yeah, because if that's more of a high ankle sprain, I mean, they're saying that, you know, he's getting better every day. That's all you ever hear. He's getting better every day. Well, great. That doesn't tell us anything, and we don't need to know any. I mean, that's part of, right. part of the gamesmanship of it. But if that is more of a high ankle sprain and he's out for a few more weeks... I mean, bottom line is, then put Chubba Purdy in. If his groin is 100% healthy now, then then let Chubba be the backup. Let Jeff Sims get healthy. And then when he is, I mean, at the end of the day, you want to win six or seven, you want to go to a bowl game, uh, get creative, and, you yeah, put your playmakers on the field. I don't care if you have three quarterbacks on the field at the same time because they're three of your best athletes. Um, With what you've got, go do it. I, here's the thing. Nebraska needs four more wins to get to a bowl game. And – don't tell me it's not important, you know, that they get six wins and so what? You know, it's the first bowl game since 2016. Who really cares? That extra practice time with as many young, as many young players as Nebraska has, you need to get to six. And you look at that schedule and you think, if you don't get to six, that's pretty bad. Because really, it would a, be really disappointing. There's a lot of bad six. teams on this schedule. Now, they probably should have had that Minnesota game. Yep. And Minnesota just lost to Northwestern over the weekend. <laughs> Uh, so that makes it tougher. They really should be at least 3-1 and one on the season. We'll talk a lot of Nebraska football throughout the show. Mike Belby there. Tom Stevens here. Brian Christofferson of Husker 24-7 will join us to talk about the game uh, last night. And we'll do that next. This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Sunday Husker Rewind. Mike Melby, Tom Stevens. Wondering, Mike, yep. in the stands, the mood was rather somber at halftime. Nebraska gets the ball right around the 50, drives down, and wasted a lot of time, by the way, uh, trying to get in the end zone. But Harvard really runs a pretty decent drive. It's 7-7 at halftime after the miss, the Alvano miss uh, the field goal, 41-yard field goal. And I know it was pretty somber 
in the stands. I was just wondering about the press box uh, where Brian Christofferson was sitting with his mates. Hey, Brian, how are you? Um, I'm I'm okay except for uh, Vikings football, but no one oh. cares about us, <laughs> us guys who root for the Vikings. So let's just BC, we can move ahead. BC, we got to the one yard line, didn't score, yeah. got the ball back with. Right around two minutes left to play. I thought, you know, Cousins gets him inside the five again. Of course we're going to score this time. Uh, I think they – who was it that they threw to at right at the goal line? It was tipped a couple of times and intercepted. Yeah. It was um, uh, T.J. Hawkinson. I don't know. At some point, maybe, Tom, you're like this where you get old enough and if your team loses enough early in the season, it's maybe good for, like, your psyche, like, your mental yeah. stability because you can kind of just move on with your fall, and I'm getting close <laughs> to that point. That's right. So maybe this will be useful. You, you can just give up right away. You don't have to worry about it and invest so yeah. much time like last year we did. I think Nebraska or uh, the Vikings won, had one more uh, – had more one-score wins than anybody in NFL history, something like that, something crazy like that. And now they're just going the opposite way. They've decided, and I actually think this might be a better Vikings team than last year. It might be a better team, but they're just on the wrong side of the scoreboard right now. But I'm going to move on. Uh, Nebraska gets the win 28-14 over Louisiana Tech Saturday night. I was I was talking about the mood in the stands, which was like, oh, no, here we go again. This is another Georgia Southern. Was that kind of the feeling in the press box at halftime? You know, um, I can't speak for everyone. I, I I thought it was kind of a, I don't know, it, it felt like a weird vibe in the stadium in the first half. It, I don't know if it was just like sort of the gloomy skies. The sun did start to peak out there a little maybe in the second quarter, but it, it just felt a little off the entire first half. So I did think, um, you know, there was a thought in the press box immediately when the second half started that Louisiana Tech had recovered that fumble because they had like three or four guys around the ball after Tommy Hill brought it out and lost the ball. And I, I really feel like that was a critical moment where I don't know how Nebraska came out of there with it, but they did. And um, they sort of had some narrow escapes like that all day, which were a little concerning. But I, I, I do think that drive then that followed it where you got a fullback in there, and I'm not saying it just to, like, you know, appease the fullback crowd, but I just like that they lined up in the eye on that series. They put Luke Lindenmeyer in there as another big body at tight end. Prohaska, I think, got in a couple of reps. And they just, you know, they smash-mouthed them and, uh, and sort of did it how you're supposed to do it against a team like that. And uh, it felt like that kind of uh, – calmed everybody's nerves wherever you were sitting. Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7 joining us here on Husker Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket. Brian, um, the holding penalties were a little worrisome, but also they seemed a little kind of uh, ticky-tacky at times. Uh, they call, or, you know, it winds up costing Nebraska two touchdowns. It winds up costing uh, Louisiana Tech a touchdown. What were your thoughts on, on the number of flags yesterday? It just seemed a, like... A little bit of the one of those games where the referees are like, "Hey, everybody, look at me." Yeah, I would agree with you, uh, Mike. I thought I didn't think it was a great crew. Um, I, you know, in a game like that where it doesn't get settled by the officials, it, you're sort of throw your hands up a little bit about it. You don't maybe write about it, but I did walk away from the game thinking they didn't have a very good day. And I know Rule was asked about the two long touchdowns Nebraska had that were called back, and you, could, like you mentioned, you could you could pair Louisiana Tech's kick return in there too. And Rule, I think, was pretty fine with how his guys 
on the perimeter were blocking on that play. And that's sort of how they teach them and want them to do it. And you just hope you continue with that and the next crew doesn't call that because, you know, that's the type of play. Imagine if Harburg were to rip off or whomever were to rip off a play like that this Saturday against a Michigan defense that's so stingy where you only get one or two of those plays or those opportunities a game maybe. Um, that can do in your chances if they call that thing back. So um, I, I feel like that that's actually one of those things where you walk away maybe more encouraged from the game than discouraged because you say, oh, they kind of had to scrap for it and it was a, you know, it was a little worrisome at points and they could have turned it over here and there. But then you can also look at the other side of that and say, you know what, they had a couple plays that were taken off the board too where maybe this could have been more of a runaway and um, they did end up running for 312 yards even with those penalties taking away some. Uh, so I, I think you want your guys on the perimeter blocking like that going forward and you just hope you, you get better officials the next time out, I think. <laughs> BC, Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7 writes uh, great stuff for those guys. You mentioned Harburg played pretty well, uh, ran for 157 yards, threw it when he had time, okay. Uh, and, of course, the big debate going into last week was who will be the starting quarterback. Harburg was announced Saturday morning. Do you think that gets out of the way that now he's won the gig, or will this be a continuing theme leading up to Michigan? Oh, I think it's a theme until it's said otherwise, and I don't know if Rule's the type to say otherwise. You know, I, I think he, like Harburg mentioned in the post game, he's like, I kind of like, you know, that the coaches, they don't actually have that moment on, like, Wednesday night where they call a guy in and say, hey, you're the guy this week. Um, and he said, you know, that they just want you preparing like you're the starter no matter what. You know, like, go go with that mindset. Because if, let's say you do get called in that week where you're not the starter, you know, maybe you don't prepare quite the same way. So he actually likes the way they do that. Kind of keeps guys maybe a little bit on their toes. Um, I don't, I don't know what to make of it yet, Tom. I know there's some people who are ready to move the ball forward and just go with Harburg, and I get it because I, I saw have the same uh, sight as as you guys do with what the turnover issue was when Sims was in there. There's that other part of it where. Yeah, and, and Rule has mentioned this a couple times. If you pay co- close attention, he'll point out, you know, Sims played against some tougher teams. Um, they were bad decisions, yes, but there were all sorts of miscues uh, kind of around him, too, on the offensive side of the ball. And um, you have to also be honest with the fact that uh, the passing game with Harburg isn't exactly just like uh, a thing of beauty to watch either. I mean, obviously he's he's been able to do it with the run game, against these two teams the last two weeks, and I think it's a great story, and I'm, I'm excited for them. Uh, but it is fair to wonder, how is that going to play against a team like Michigan? Will he be able to bust off some of those runs like he has the last couple of weeks, or will it be a lot more difficult? And you have to have somebody um, who can make a few more throws. Now, can Jeff Sims make a few more throws? I'm not sure about that, and I'm also not sure, listening to Rule, if his legs are back all the way to where – even this week, he, he's that guy as far as a runner, where he has that threat um, in his game. So I don't know how it's going to go yet. You kind of It would be a very tough thing, though, as you think about it, for Jeff Sims after two rough starts at Nebraska, then he's been injured and kind of you know, just hanging on in the background, to suddenly, okay, here you go, go, go face Michigan now. You know what I mean? So I, that, that is almost hard for me to envision that happening, but um, you know, maybe it will. 
BC from Husker 24-7 joining us on the Allo VIP line. Speaking of Jeff Sims, and, and I agree completely with what you're saying. I kind of it, leaning towards uh, this really feels like uh, Henrik Harburg should start against Michigan. But what is your take on Jeff Sims and the way he looked? Because even trotting out on the field yesterday for the one play when Harburg lost his helmet, I kind of got the feeling that Sims's recovery is maybe not quite as far along as it was either alluded to by rules saying he took half the snaps in practice last week. Uh, he still looks like that, that ankle is a little sore. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I thought um, he didn't look like a guy who you, you would have wanted out there for the, the full duration of that game, really. And he w- it definitely seemed like he was an emergency option, which is what happened on that particular play. And if, if people listened when rule did his weekly or his monthly radio show on Tuesday night, um, it was the one time where he did sort of speak candidly about how the running part wasn't back yet for Jeff. And some of that mobility stuff was still not quite where it needed to be. And so I like Tuesday of last week, I was thinking to myself, like there's, we're not going to see Sims this, you know, we're just not going to see him in this game. And then by Thursday, the way the talk had kind of picked up and I feel like there was a nice little cat and mouse game going on with rule and the media and like who was really going to play. Um, it, it made me think, well, I don't know, maybe Sims will get the call, but uh, when you saw him out there, that one play, and then it's like a busted play. I think when he got out there, someone went the wrong way. I don't know if it was him or the running back. And so it just looked bad. Um, he did not look like a guy who was a hundred percent to me. I don't know what percentage you'd put on that. I always think it's funny when we try to get, is he like 88 or 89%? But, 89 and a half. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think it, he's going to have to make a lot of progress this week, even on that front, probably, if, if you were to put him out there first. Nebraska ran a lot of options, a lot of speed options, and it feels like even if Sims comes back, that may be the identity. Short passes, uh, no, throws to the tight end. Fedoni's looked really good. Do you think that's Nebraska's now identity is this option attack? I think it's the best thing they do right now. And I think uh, lining up, like I said, in that, that eye and you get a fullback in there, um, you know, you, you bring, I think Lyndon Meyer is going to play more going forward. It's stuff like that. It's not like the real sexy topics, you know, like leaving Tritt and, well, even Tritt is kind of a, a topic people like around here with the fullback. But, like, Luke Lindenmeyer is not, like, a name you hear a lot. But he was big. Like, he played 20-some snaps, and when he was in there, uh, the run game looked good. And I, I think that's sort of what you have to do against Michigan. The one thing about this game is Nebraska um, has some of the fewest plays per minute of any team in the country. They, they don't snap it very quickly, as we all know. Michigan's actually last in that category. So this could be a game where, you know, each side gets about 60 snaps. Uh, They're both going to huddle up. It's going to be kind of an old school game. And so I think, you know, Nebraska's best opportunity is, yeah, you kind of go with some of that option stuff. You get a fullback in there, you try to to smash it on them. And, but you are going to have to hit a play over the top at some point to pull an upset like this. I mean, you just have to make that sort of play. People don't necessarily expect where somebody gets loose, and they've been trying to kind of get that that rolling, and it just hasn't happened yet, where they get that big pass play that I think lets everybody kind of take a deep breath and say, hey, we can do this in the, a game. We can make a play like that. And So if they're going to win this thing and surprise people, I think they're going to need something out of the ordinary to appear in the passing game that we haven't seen yet. 
Um, but I, I would agree that, um, you know, the, the stuff right now that you like is, is that option stuff, and you see how Michigan stacks up against it. It's very good defense they're going to play, so it's not going to be easy. Um, and, and Harburg, is whoever it is, is not going to be running free like he was this last week, that's for sure. So they are going to have to make some clutch throws on occasion to keep the sticks moving. Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7 joining us on the Allo VIP line here on Husker Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket. So Nebraska needs to take the top off at some point. Who is the guy to take the top off? They've tried to get Tommy Hill free. He's been free twice. Bad throws did not get to him. Billy Kemp cannot get open uh, going long, he's he. I mean, the short, quick passes, uh, possession receiver, great, but he's not a guy that seems like he's going to go and uh, and catch one 40, 50 yards down the field. Marcus Washington can't catch the ball a whole lot right now. He's got the drops a little bit. Who is the guy? Is it Malachi Coleman? Yeah, I I don't I don't know if this is going to be a game yet for Malachi. I mean, I would love it if that storyline suddenly appeared this week. You know, like I mean, people would lose their mind. If, uh, if if Malachi got loose on a fifty-five yarder or something like that, I do think as as tough as it's been, Tommy Hill did play twenty um, some snaps on offense actually this last game, and so it seems like there's sort of a buildup going on there, a little bit in the background because I don't know that he's caught one yet, but at some point um, he can run past people, and um, he would be the guy about the question you're speaking of that would have the best opportunity to do so. The other guy, he's not a take the top off, but I would go back to Billy Kemp and say he is the type of player where if you could get him the ball, like on the run on a slant or something, I could see him being the type of player who could, who could make like a a five yard pass into a 50 yard pass at some point this year, that's going to happen. So it would be ideal for the Huskers if it occurred uh, this week against, as I say, a very tough defense. Um, they're not going to give up much easily. And so this has to be a game where you stay patient, you have ball security, and you say, hey, we got a pretty good defense on, on this side of the fence too. And, uh, you know, Michigan hasn't exactly they, – they've been okay on offense, better than some might think. They're like 17th in the country in um, yards per play right now, so they have had some effectiveness. Uh, but they haven't just tore it up against, you know, sort of – middling or worse competition so i think nebraska's defense can go into this game with some confidence and the the offense for nebraska has to look at it like hey these guys have our back if if nothing else let's make this a game where michigan has to drive that ball 75 80 yards and see what happens and maybe they make a mistake or something and and this is the the week nebraska gets a few of those takeaways Brian Christofferson, Husker 24-7. I think going into the season, a lot of people were thinking, just get to six. And after the Minnesota loss, it looked dark and then maybe darker after the Colorado loss. But then now you've won a couple. And you look at the schedule, and outside Michigan, most of these things look winnable. Illinois is not a good football team. Northwestern certainly is not. Purdue, Michigan State's very bad. Maryland is pretty good. Wisconsin's pretty good. Iowa's pretty good. But they're all winnable games. How feasible to you is six getting to six this year? Yeah, I think it's still on the table. I, I think the Illinois game is going to be huge. And, I mean, obviously you want those guys inside the locker room thinking, thinking they can do it this week. But, you know, most of us on the outside are, are probably going to pick Michigan and think they're two and three going to Illinois on a short week. Illinois, as, as you mentioned, they're one of those teams um, in the West that, you know, they look – 
average. They just do. I mean, they, they, they've, they've been scuffling as well. So, you know, if Nebraska could go get that one and go to the bye at three and three, and then you look at the October schedule, there's opportunity there. Um, people would, if this team is three and three, two weeks from now, and uh, you're looking at the October schedule, there, there's a little hop in the step of folks thinking like, okay, they can make a little run now because that means something good happened these last two weeks if that's their record. So I, I've always thought Illinois was going to be a crucial game. I think that, you know, now more than ever, Rule said it himself, they let one get away. They, I mean, the Minnesota game, Colorado, they got caught up in that vortex of everything that's going on there and they lost the game. So, so be it. But that Minnesota game, it, it, it still stings because it's one I think a lot of folks around here now are looking at the West. They're saying, man, Nebraska should be 3-1 and one and 1-0 one and oh in the league. And um, think of how different the conversations might be tilted right now uh, if that were the case. But you have to move past it, and you have to see that, yes, there are a lot of opportunities on the schedule. I mean, Michigan State's in the dumpster right now. They're on Nebraska's schedule, and uh, Iowa's just – the same old Iowa on offense. Wisconsin doesn't look like a world beater at this point. Um, I, I, there's opportunities. You just got to keep getting better week to week. And um, if people were discouraged by Saturday's game and it being a bit of a rugged game, I would say get over that. It's it. It was a. Those are the games where you just got to get through them. Sometimes get a win, accomplish what you're supposed to do in that in that column, and then try to build off it. And you go into this week without as much pressure because everybody's going to be picking Michigan. And sometimes that can do your, your team a favor, too, or um, you don't feel like you're supposed to win necessarily. You can play a little looser. We'll see if they can. Brian, we always enjoy reading your stuff. Uh, thanks for the time. We'll have you on soon. Yep, thanks a lot, guys. There, Brian Christofferson, Husker 24-7. Always a good conversation with Brian. I do want to get to the Big Ten Blitz at the top of the hour. Yep. Uh, but we've got all things, a bunch of things to talk about on the show uh, related to Nebraska football. Can't wait to talk a little Husker volleyball as well. About 6.15 tonight with Tony Taki. Let's get to break. Come back with more. Mike Melby, Tom Stevens. It's Husker Rewind. This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to Husker Rewind here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. If you are watching on the Sarter Heyman stream, hey, how you doing? That's O Street. That's Tom Stevens. I'm Mike Melby. Ben Droz Hello, driving the car tonight. And uh, we want to thank everybody We've for got a car in here? Uh, tuning in. Yeah, I, I need to get I, a car I, in I started talking when we were doing the finish line, man. Whoever was doing the board was driving the car. Oh, driving so, the car. Yeah. Oh. So Ben's driving the car tonight. He's driving the car tonight. Right. Um, and, you know, the one thing, you, you and I started doing this, uh, well, you, you and Box started doing this years ago. And um, it's something that I, I think is cool. And I know we got a sounder, and I, I love it. So I think we, need to, do, we need to do some grades, man. Yeah. Let's do the grades. It's time. Every week, every game, after every game, we uh, do the grades. We grade the performances of the Huskers uh, following a big win. Well, it was a win. Uh, they, they beat Louisiana Tech 28-14, to but it looked a little shaky going into the second half. Nebraska got it rolling after a 7-7 tie at halftime. But uh, let's start with the run game. 
which I think was what the best thing that the Huskers did in the game. 48 carries, 312 yards, really could have been a lot more than that. They, I think, are second or third in the Big Ten in rushing uh, following that performance over the weekend. Uh, three TDs. Harburg, of course, the quarterback, 19 carries, 157, 8.3 a carry, one TD. Anthony Grant had his best game as a Husker, or at least this year as a Husker, 22 carries, 135 a TD, and 6.1 a carry. The run game looked pretty good in the second half. Yeah, Maybe he, not throughout the game. A couple of TDs called back, but it was pretty good. Well, and, and a couple of fumbles too, but um, but no fumble. Harder. They were no recovered. Fumble, yeah, yeah, they recovered. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, H squared and AG both uh, well over 100 yards. And I, I mean, that's an easy A for me. Yeah, that's an A plus for me. Uh, versus the run, Louisiana Tech, 21 carries, 46 <laughs> yards. <laughs> Here, here's, here's my notes on, on rushing defense for Nebraska. What else can you say? 46 yeah. yards per game through four games, number one in the country. 2.2 per carry. Louisiana Tech didn't even really try to run. After a while, they did have one TD on the ground, but I'm gonna give them because they did have a TD on the ground, an A minus. But it was pretty good. I just yeah, yeah I gave him an A. Uh, pass Heinrich Harburg, eight of seventeen, 107 yards, one TD. You know he didn't throw the ball great, but he also didn't have a lot of time. I didn't think Marcus Satterfield always put him in a great position to succeed. Kind of like last week against Northern Illinois with the blitz package. He didn't see coming. It happened again this week. He fumbled. Nebraska recovered it. Thank goodness. I think uh, Alex uh, Bullock was on that one. I'm, I'm trying to think who might have been. I think recovered one, or too. Or uh, recovered one. But uh, the pass protection wasn't great. Uh, he did have the one touchdown pass to Fedoni, 29 yards. Fedoni against gets a touchdown. Alex Bullock has one catch for 14 yards. I'm going to give him a D. They, they just didn't look great passing the football. Right there with you. Open receivers, there were none unless they were within two yards of the line of scrimmage. Although Fedoni was open, um, but an average tight end does not make that catch. Yeah. Thomas Fedoni is something special. Yeah, he's 6'6 um, and a very good athlete. Billy Kemp did have five catches for 62 granted, yards. Granted, but every one of them was within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Yep. Yep. Uh, errant passes, total inability to complete a pass downfield. Pass blocking, awful D. Uh, versus the pass, Jack Turner was 27-42, 292. Uh, he had a TD, an interception. Cyrus Allen 102 yards. Smoke Harris, the best name in college football, in my opinion. 10 catches for 73 yards. I'll give him a C minus. It wasn't their best performance. It was okay. Yeah, I, I was a C minus on the passing D as well. Way too many missed tackles. That was the one thing that's the only time I've seen it this year. Uh, they've been so good at wrapping up. Now, the gang tackling was still there, but those extra two, three, and in a couple of cases, seven or eight yards after some missed tackles were. A little concerning, but at the same time, Smoke, what's his name? Um, Smoke Wilson, Smoke Robinson, Smokey Robinson? No, Smoke what's, Smoke Harris. Smoke Harris. He, the, the Smokey dude, Robinson, the is, I like that. I wish yeah, you were named Smokey the, Robinson. The dude is something else. And and so you, you tip your cap to him for having just the athletic ability and, and ability to make people miss that he does. But uh, that was a little bit worrisome on the on the passing. Uh, special teams, I'll start with the good. Uh, Brian Buschini averaged 46 yards upon. He had one inside the five-yard line. Uh, that was good. Also, uh, Tommy Timmy Blickrow, the former kicker, had the fake punt. That was good for the first down. Sh probably should have scored a touchdown, but there was a lot of bad. Tristan Albano uh, missed a 41-yard kick. Tommy Hill, he fumbled on the opening kickoff of the second half. Frankly, he was lucky to get it back. He did get it back. Um, 
there were just a lot of things. Billy Kemp, one punt return for eight yards. Just not a lot of good that I saw out of the special teams. I, saw, I gave him a C minus. I did too. And Bushini A, uh, the call on the fake field goal, the execution by not only Timmy Bleakroad, but everybody. Uh, um, Ethan Piper pulling to make sure that he got the, the seal block that allowed Bleak Road to get the first down, all that stuff. That was all fantastic, A-plus across the board. However, everything else on special teams, just less than stellar. Our, our punt return, I mean, give me a break. Billy Kemp has got ability to return punts, but it's really difficult to return punts when every single time you receive a punt, there are no Nebraska players in front of any of the opposition coming down to tackle you. Um, like literally every single punt return this year, Nebraska, has, our opponents have got five guys just waiting to tackle Billy Kemp. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think it's get Bill, it. It's not always Billy. No, no, Billy I, Kemp has not had a lot of room to run. This is the frankly. punt return unit yeah. itself. Block yeah. somebody. I agree. Game management. Uh, they had two 70-yard TDs taken back due to penalties. Nebraska, six penalties overall. They had five holding penalties. I gave them a C. I mean, there was some good. There was a lot of bad as well. A D plus. Wow. I, I go straight to the f- final drive of the first half for the fourth straight game. Literally looks like a junior high coach calling plays. I, I, I mean, I'm being mean, but I'm sorry. The game management on the last drive of Nebraska's first half possessions, every single one of these games has been abysmal. Yeah, I probably was too generous. I'm changing my grade. It's a D. <laughs> uh, play calling uh, was a B probably, and overall a B minus. Yeah, that's where I was, B minus. Um, better than the last three games. I, 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 there's starts to, there's starting to be a semblance of yeah. that running identity. Um, a little bit of creativity in the running game, but I mean, until you can get a pass completed further than five yards down the field, um, it's going to be tough to continue the success that they have had on the ground. So there you go. The grades, not terrible overall, a B minus hey, wins a win though. A wins a win, uh, one and O for the week. Uh, we hope to go one and O for this show. Uh, we've got a good show, uh, second hour coming up. With Tanya Taki, one of the great middle blockers of all time for Nebraska volleyball, played for both uh, John Cook and Terry Pettit. So that's a couple of Hall of Famers. That's not bad. And we love her analysis of Husker volleyball. Had a big win, a sweep over Ohio State earlier this week, Friday night. And they have Minnesota tonight. And she'll get us ready for that game coming up in about 15 minutes. In the meantime, we've got the Big Ten Blitz next.